All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a ruckus. Describe the ruckus, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? I'm in my right i'm the guy with the gun baby dj nubis with you on mail time radio podcast episode 78 of the hordes of chaos this week's episode got new stuff for you temple nightside sanity control terminal nation some kralis and much much more solid rock block including some new stuff from deep purple yeah they're still around um, and I got some interesting topics. Uh, nothing, it's all movie related. I like it's been hard coming up with stuff because it's so dead right now. But I've been spending a lot of time watching movies and shit. So I did find like three different things, uh, three different movies to review. Uh, one I had seen many, many years ago, and I'm gonna get into it a little bit when I talk about it. But uh, it's always cool when you discover something where you're like oh yeah yeah that's what i was thinking of because there's it, it actually it's an anthology and one particular episode i felt i could never find if it was an actual full movie or a short i knew it was a short but i just couldn't remember from what and it actually i think it influenced uh, a full-blown movie later on which I'll, I'll get into all that but um also got a movie rumor i'm gonna get into a little bit uh but that's all down the road. We're going to go ahead and uh, got new stuff from uh, Goratory provided by Everlasting Speed Records. And then I also have some new stuff by a music record sent to me by uh, an artist called Angel Rising. So I'll play that a little later for you. We're going to kick it off, though, with some uh, Flesh Megalith, Obsidian Giant.
Radio. Anubis back with you here. And uh, the first thing I'm going to get to in this episode, topic-wise, is uh, Remake Rumor. And there's not, like, a whole lot of... I'm not going to say substance, but there's... In early July, someone started posting a remake or reboot of a movie called Death Becomes Her, and... It's not nothing in concrete. I kind of went and researched a little bit. There's not a whole lot really substantiating this, so it's all rumor mill. But I felt that you know the person started like giving ideas for actors and actresses to play the roles in the modern version, and I thought it was pretty interesting because I actually like a lot of the actresses and actors uh, picked. <coughs> the original movie. Uh, I think it was like 1992 or something like that. Starred uh, Bruce Willis, Merle Streep, and Goldie Hawn. And basically, uh, you have what's, you know, Goldie Hawn and Merle Streep's character fighting over Bruce Willis's character because Bruce Willis used to be married to Goldie Hawn's character before leaving her for her best friend, who is Merle Streep. Now, that may sound kind of boring just off the, the bat there as of some sort of bad rom com, but. Basically, what ends up happening is the girls come discover that there's this elixir that will make them immortal and beautiful for the test of time. And basically, it comes back with its own uh, bad things that happen. So, basically, yeah, they, they live forever and they will look beautiful, except if they are basically memed, cued. Uh, cute killed or maimed in some way uh basically what happens is the girls end up fighting each other uh <laughs> trying to get this guy back and so like they're like hitting each other with like shovels breaking each other's necks but yet they're still walking around it, it's really it's like a dark comedy but uh it's really, really good, and I, I didn't really appreciate the movie when it was first out. Like, it just didn't seem that interesting to me until I watched it years later. So I kind of understand why it became a cult classic on its own. But now uh, there's a rumor that it will be remade, and again, there's nothing to substantiate this, but uh, it'd probably be a cool idea, especially if they got these particular actors and actresses involved. So basically, Bruce Willis's character would be played by Robert Downey Jr., who, in his own right, can play some pretty comedic roles. Uh, I have no problem with that pick at all. Uh, then we have Kate Hudson, who is actually the daughter of Goldie Hawn, so that'd be kind of interesting for her to play her mom's role in this. And then two other uh, names spit out were Anne Hathaway, who would be playing Merle Streep's uh, character. And then Lady Gaga would be the one who would be uh, providing the elixir to the girls in general. Now, again, it's only a rumor at this point, but uh, I, I think that would be kind of cool to see. But apparently, like... You know, a page with about 100,000 followers that were quickly sharing this news bit, and it's not even confirmed, but 
there's some other websites that are like, well, we're not confirming or denying it. So I really don't know if it's real or not. Seems like it's more fabrication. We always see this. <coughs> Excuse me. And we always see this with like these ideas that come out for movies and remakes. So we never know exactly what is real and what isn't. But I suppose if they're going to remake one or reboot one, this would be kind of a cool movie to do it because it's, it's sort of easy to do. So as long as you have the right people in mind. Um, <clears throat> we'll see what happens with that as it goes forward anyway. So just just quick movie rumor there. Death Becomes Her, maybe, maybe not. In our next block, I got some uh, classic stuff from Morris Principum S. But I got some new stuff from Rannoch as well as kicking it off with some Temple Nightside. This is Wreath in Agony.
save one. And he was faithful to a course, and kept the birds and beasts and famished men at bay. Till hunger clung them, or the drooping dead lured their lank jaws. Himself sought out no food, but with a piteous and perpetual moan, and a quick desolate cry, licking the hand which answered not with a caress. Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at A328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find in other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you DJ Nibus, back with you. So, I'm going to kick off this next topic uh, talking about a movie that came out in 2003. Now, this isn't the movie I'm actually going to discuss, but it, it happened in a similar fashion. I actually went back and researched it a little bit. But 2003, there was a movie called Eight-Legged Freaks that came out. It was all about giant spiders and stuff like that. And starred uh, David Arquette, Carrie Wurr, and also was uh, young Scarlett Johansson in there as well. Um, so, the movie itself, like, there was a particular scene in it, and I, I sat there when I watched it, and I go, wait a minute, I've seen this before. Uh, now, it wasn't like the exact same scene in terms of being taken from another movie, but the scenario was the same, and I, when I went back and looked it up, sure enough, the whole concept of Eight-Legged Freaks it came off of uh, another short movie in 1997 called Larger Than Life, uh, which I remember seeing, and I thought, holy fuck, that is creepy as fuck, that little short. Um, and so they ended up making Eight-Legged Freaks based off of that. And... Uh, but it got me thinking because I was looking for a few days back. I, I'm always looking for these movies. I want to watch these old horror movies and whatnot and, you know, scary stuff, whatever. And there's a movie I haven't sat and watched. I mean, I, I'm not sure if I'm really interested in the movie per se. But the topic of the movie, the plot, it's called The Pit. And the plot itself of that movie is a, a young boy is going around and... For those that are mean to him or whatever, he lures them to this pit and then, like, either pushes them in or whatever. But there's these creatures that live in the pit that, like, kill the people. That's the basic synopsis of it. Now, when I saw the cover and the idea behind it, I'm like, you know, this looks like something else I've seen going way back another short with a similar, a similar plot line. And... Sure enough, I came across a movie last night that it, it came out in 1973 now. I was about three years old when it was made, but I think I saw it 
in the late 70s or early 80s when I was probably about 9 or 10. So it stuck with me because the one episode, one, it, one, it's all, it's three, three episodes in this anthology, and they're all creepy as fuck. It's all narrated by Rod Serling, who did the Twilight Zone. Um, I'm sure he was already doing Twilight Zone before this came out, so I, I don't know how to check that. But either way, it, the movie itself plays a lot like Twilight Zone. You know, you got Rod talking about this and that, and so. One of the episodes in it, though, is called The Darkness. And it's basically a young boy's out with his uh, his pet dog. And uh, he goes fishing and then comes... The dog gets lost. Like, it's chasing a rabbit or something. And, like, gets lost and the boy goes looking for it. Stumbles upon this pit out in the middle of the forest or whatever down by, by his house. And all you see is, like, fog coming out of it, and there's, like, all, like, a lot of this moaning and, and like, I don't know, it's almost, like, growling. Not really a growl growl, but just a lot of scary noises coming from it. Now, this is in 73, so, like, the acting isn't, like, the, the best in the world, but the boy ends up going home, telling his mom and dad, you know, the dog's lost, I, you know, I, I think that, uh, he may have fallen into this pit. And so later on, you know, they, the dad goes out there. The boy sneaks out at night to try to find the dog and ends up back at the pit. But the dad comes out and finds him, and then he starts, like, wondering what's going on, what's with all the noises down there in the pit. He, he, although he doesn't think the dog is down there. So basically, uh, word gets around this small little town that, you know, they've discovered this pit in the middle of nowhere. So they've got, like, the co the constables coming down, and they're all checking it out. So finally, it all, it's all decided that the father is going to go down into this pit and, you know, see what's up. So he goes down there on this rope, and everyone's holding it and whatnot, and then all you hear is just screaming. So they pull, like the father back up and apparently he's just gone insane and mad from whatever it is he saw down there now this is just one episode of this three episode anthology and the first one obviously deals with a mother who lost her son but is sort of like given this sort of vision or uh, curse on these three boys who were somewhat rev uh, involved in their son's death so that's how it kicks off with that particular thing. And then the, the final act uh, is actually based off of uh, a lore or legend of uh, Lydia uh, at the bridge, a ghost uh, who appears on a bridge who died there. Only this one is just called the the girl on the bridge or something like that. But um, obviously the, the, the lore in North Carolina regarding this particular... Uh, Ghost is something to do where the girl ends up being picked up by driver passerbyers uh, on certain nights, and when they go to take her to her house that she gives the address to, she ends up disappearing. So this this particular episode follows a lot of that, uh, and, and influenced by that uh, legend as well. So, but it, it's always interesting how some of these movies, like I. There's a movie that yet I have yet to find, and nobody's been able to really tell me what it is because I don't have much to go on. I don't know if I discussed it before, but 
all I remember is the ending. And I was young, and it was on late night TV. I probably scared myself, so I kept turning it on and off towards the end. Basically, from what I remember, a woman is, like, stabbing somebody with blood, like, everywhere. On her, on the walls. Uh, and then all I remember is when the credits start rolling, there's, like, this ghostly or demonic voice uh, while the credits are rolling that says something to the effect of next time uh, we we get the woman or something like that. So I think the impression was... Uh, in the movie, they were using the woman as the instrument of evil, whereas they were talking about next time they're going to use the man as the instrument of evil uh, and punish the woman or whatever. And not so much for a sequel, but just on how the movie. Like I know nothing of the movie. I don't know the name. People have said that it's Suspiria, but I'm like, no, it's not the same. I mean, the idea is kind of the same. You know, you do have a woman with a knife and blood everywhere and whatnot, but it's not. The, the credits is totally different. The credits are definitely a part of that movie and what's being said by the voices. So, I don't know the movie. And if any of you listening to this can fucking help me out with that, it'd be a massive help because I do not remember what it was called. I've tried looking it up on the web for, like, you know, Googling it, tips, whatever, and can't find it. But much like Encounters with the Unknown, which is the name of this anthology... Uh, I finally found the one episode that I was thinking of that I'd seen years ago. So I now know what that is. And I've just told you everything about what that is. Um, so yeah, that's one of my movie reviews. Uh, just a quick update You didn't if you didn't see me on Facebook. The wife and I, uh, we like playing board games and stuff. So, you know, she had a few months back showed me uh, a couple of links. One was to the Godzilla Monopoly, which, honestly, I ordered right away. We played that a few times, and I owned her ass, uh, which is the few times that I get to beat her in fucking board games, because Scrabble, she worked my ass out of the first letter she put out there, but uh, a lot of fun, Godzilla Monopoly. I love it a lot, uh, but we also ordered the Horror Trivial Pursuit Ultimate Edition. Now, we like Trivial Pursuit, but when you can do, like, like we have an 80s version, uh, which is fun, but this is all horror. Like, it's it's so great. Um, it has, you know, obviously your movers, which is Monster Hand, Doll Head, Straight Jacket, Goat Head, Cleaver and Brain, Table Saw, so that's kind of cool. Uh, it's 1,800 questions. Uh, the categories are gore and disturbing, psychological, killer, monster, paranormal, and comedy. So, I cannot wait to get this in, and... Obviously, when she gets home, we're going to play it a lot. But, uh, you know, even for people that I hang with, like, you know, Blake from Pig Destroy, who I know is a huge horror fan, uh, Grant. And uh, I don't think Scully is much of a horror fan, but I know Chris Grant is. So maybe I get them over here to play it, too, with us as well. Uh, just if you're a big horror fan, this is something, again, I know I saw Amazon had it, but they had, like, 12 in stock. So this stuff... It's kind of limited, so I had to wear this like months ago. So now it just finally got shipped, and I can't wait for it to get here. So I'll be really excited for that. All right, well, let's bust into our music again. Um, got some Terminal Nation in this, Hobbs Angel of Death, but some new stuff from Sandy Control. Great thrash coming your way. Enjoy the fuck out of this. It's called Rope. 
this is Pamenos from After Jazz and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, about time for our rock block here. In this week's block, I have some heart, Judas Priest, Devin Townsend, Arctic Sleep. Brand new stuff from Deep Purple, but we're going to kick it off with some Smashing Pumpkins. I discovered them probably in 1990, and really it was kind of by accident. Um, I remember the day, it was like a Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning actually, uh, and this is when the TV I had was like a big old 70s TV. It was built into the cabinet, so it was like this big wooden cabinet. And we only had but a few channels. I didn't have, like, cable like we do now or anything like that. So it was just, what, six or seven channels maybe? And it was, like, the whole turn knob and whatnot. So they had this channel, uh, UHF or something like that. And um, they were playing videos one morning. And I caught three of them. And ironically, I came probably strong well one band became like one of my all-time favorites one of them smashing pumpkins i definitely like up until melancholy or melancholy nothing after that um and then there's a band called king's x and uh king's x like it was from their love record uh it's i think it's called it's love is the video i saw didn't really care for much of the record outside of the one song that i saw uh, not a band I really follow that much. I know some people are really big fans of them. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins, it, they were playing, I think it was, uh, Soma or Rhinoceros. I can't remember which one. But it, it was, like, right before they released Gish. And I didn't even, I kind of forgotten about the band at that point. Because, really, Gish didn't come out for another year or two. And... When it finally did, I recognized that, oh, this is that band that I saw on the same morning. Because I had been living in Colorado at the time that I saw this, and then by the time I actually picked up Gish was when I moved to Maryland. Uh, the other band that I saw that day was Napalm Death with Suffer the Children, and I immediately went out and got Harmony Corruption, which is still one of my favorite records to this day, one of my favorite bands. Uh... But I remember that day just being kind of cool because here it was, I was looking at these videos and I'd wished I, it was only like a 30 minute show and I wish I'd kept going because I could have been there all day, but it was so cool to see three different types of bands and they all had like an impact on me in some way, um, where Smashing was a little bit more like trippy psychedelic stuff. Napalm was your grindcore death, and then of course King's Eck was a little more progressive rock. So there was all this kind of cool shit that I was seeing and introducing me to. Uh, of course, it wasn't until Siamese Dream that really Smash of Pumpkins took off and kind of like made their first time Gish a little more instrumental going back to. So I bought both of them and whatnot. And so, really, it was this t song that kicked it all off for the band, Cherub Rock. Uh, it's got a rocky vibe. A little bit harder than most of the stuff they have, but obviously that album went to do wonders for their career, and of course they followed up with Melancholy. 
And really, those Malachi, despite being two records, it's really one record, but the three records between all of them are just their best of the catalog. I mean, I know some people are still fans of their later stuff, but I just never could get into the later stuff at all. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to kick it all off with some Cherub Rock. Uh, I'll be back in a few.
in the fast lane? Do you have the need for speed? Well, if you're a racing fan and want to be a part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming champ and flat card season. You can be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L. race to the finish line in Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Dillsburg, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. They will also be racing at Hunterstown Speedway and Capital City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Carmichael Racing, and they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roar.
changes hast thou seen. There where the long street roars hath been the stillness of the central sea. The hills are shadows, and they flow from form to form, and nothing stands like clouds that shape themselves and go.
come get it. Get lit. Arctic Sleep closing out our rock lock with Lantern Curse. Which, by title, kind of goes into my next topic, but really has nothing to do with one or the other. Uh, so, when it comes to martial art movies, I'm a big, like, Shaw Brothers fan, because, like, so many great movies they put out. Five Deadly Venoms being the most famous one. Um, but you have the kid with the golden arm and just so many great, other great movies with the Venoms that are included. And although I have not seen every film that shot or put out, I was actually treated to a movie the other day that I had not seen and I didn't know much about, but it was being promoted as a cult classic that you just has to be seen. Like, and I just, I really didn't know much about it. I hadn't heard much about it, even from other martial arts fans, so... You know, obviously, I'm going to check it out. I didn't even know it was shot first until, of course, I saw the logo pop up on the screen. I'm like, yes! Um, the movie's called Human Lanterns, and it's a cross between martial arts and horror. And although that hasn't been the first time that actually happens within martial arts, there's always a bunch of other movies that do summer themes. Uh, this one was caught me off guard because for, for many different reasons. Um... Most of Shaw is just straightforward martial arts, revenge, stuff like that. Uh, and Shaw just has an exceptional catalog of stuff. But this movie, combining martial arts and horror, is very awesome. And it's shot beautifully. That's one of the things that's a little bit different than some of the other films. Uh, even though they're all shot very well, the mixture of... Basically, you've got like this dreamy sequences of stuff with the demon who the character itself kind of uses like monkey kung fu as its fighting style. Uh, but this movie is actually, and you can kind of find a little review on AsianMoviePulse.com about the movie itself, but it's pretty uh, graphic in a lot of ways. Something I did not expect at all, especially this was probably... Uh, 80-something, I think. It was made, maybe 70s. I can't remember. Um, but considering it being a martial arts movie and an Asian movie back then, like, how graphic it was really caught me off guard. Uh, we're talking, like, skin peeling. Uh, there's actually a little bit of nudity, which, you know, is something you really don't see all that often. Um, and it's really, really dark. Like, it's, it's a dark movie compared to, you know, usually when you're watching martial arts movies, you know, you have violence and, you know, people dying that you care about. But, I don't know, it, just overly, it was overly dark. Like, it just, there was no, unlike some of the other films where there's a little bit of a comedic relief, this doesn't have it. Uh, there's actually even a traumatic rape scene to which... I can't remember the actress's name, but she plays the wife of one of the lead characters in it. And the scene is just very believable. You're not seeing a lot of uh, close-ups or anything like that, like you would see in some American movies. But her facial expressions, tears, uh, are all there. And it's all very real. Uh, so it's a very troubling movie in that way. But basically you have two of these guys... 
who are famous and well-known in their little town there. Uh, they're wealthy, but they're rivals. And one of them, Lung, is the guy who basically is challenging this other uh, head, uh, village head called Tan. Tan. Uh, but they they have a lot of banter back and forth, and uh, and then at the beginning of the movie, Tan is basically embarrassing Lung, who is married but has a mistress on his side, a, a whore from one of the local brothels. Uh, so he, he publicly embarrasses him or tries to, and this becomes like this inner war between them. Now, at the same time, Lung, in his quest to be the most famous and greatest fighter approaches another guy um, Chung Fang who he had defeated years earlier uh, with his Kung Fu and he had sort of told everyone he killed the guy when he really didn't but he goes and visits this guy now Chung Fang and Fang is this guy who creates lanterns uh, just you know different designs and whatnot so he wanted Chung Feng to base, basically to reconcile with him and make the best lantern ever to find another way to outdo Tan, who's actually his own right, a pretty good lamp maker. But uh, as it turns out, you know, Chung Feng ends up basically becoming his demon, and it's pretty well known, so it's not like a big surprise there. So it's not going to ruin your movie, but it just. Uh, he becomes this demon, and he's the one. He now pits, further pits along against Tan as he uses them as pawns in his own grand scheme uh, to get revenge. But he's obviously using people's skin to make these lanterns, and it's a, it hits hardest because it's a lot of it's women and women that are close to both these guys. And like I said, it's just a very dark movie. Ends pretty much kind of the way you would expect. Uh, most martial arts movies at the end, but really, really fucking good. And I can understand why. I, I don't understand why it actually goes under the radar compared to a lot of things. Um, maybe it's because it all it is that dark and it's not alleviated in any kind of way. Um, the demon itself is very creepy. It's really done well. Well, so I like that a lot about it. I definitely recognize two or three of the Venoms in there. Um, and by Venoms, I just mean certain actors who portrayed the five dental Venoms. They appear in a lot of the movies for Shaw. Uh, so there's two or three of them in here that you will recognize. Obviously, there are other actors who probably have been in Shaw movies that I don't know as well as the Venoms. But uh, you'll see some familiar faces. Um, just a fucking really, really good movie. And I, I would highly recommend you check it out. It's on Amazon Prime if you got it. Not sure if it's on any free services uh, or YouTube. You might be able to find it, but uh, I might actually just end up buying this. Like it, more and more films that I find that I like, I just go out and buy. Um, this is probably one of them. I started my shock collection a while ago, but uh, still got a ways to go before I get to where I need to be with that. Because I do have a lot of other martial arts films that I love, Bruce Lee and all that. So, but I'll have to add this to my collection because it is unique and awesome. Uh, yeah, so, alright, we're going to get into some music some more. Uh, brand new stuff all the way around here. I've got some Storm Siege, Obsecration, and we're going to kick it off with some new stuff from Kralis. Here we go.
This is Sky Nielsen Promotions. I offer the most affordable, effective, independent metal promotions one can find. If you've got a metal band, project, or art that you want promoted, simply search for Sky Nielsen Promotions. And you're listening to Hordes of Chaos on Metal Tavern Radio. She's in love with herself. Alright. Closing out that last block. Storm Siege, Satana Sum, the title track from their new record. So to my final movie review of the episode. Uh, Netflix currently adds new movies every week. Uh, a lot of originals and whatnot. Um, although I'm not sure if this is an original. It might be, but... Uh, it's a film by a guy who you would not expect, Jay Baruchel. Um... I don't know, I'm sure if I pronounced his last name right, I apologize, but he's normally known for all of his comedic stuff that he does. Like, yeah, one of my favorite movies, This Is The End, with Seth Rogen, James Franco, and Jay is also in that as well. Uh, Robinson, Craig Robinson's in it. Uh, but Jay's taking a stab here, uh, both figuratively and literally, in uh, Random Acts of Violence. Which is a pretty cool horror film. Uh, it's not, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, it's not uh, creating the wheel. It's not breaking any new ground per se. Um, it has some issues with fleshing out characters, but let's face it, most horror movies are like that anyway. The one thing that this movie does do, though, is it takes a lot of the elements from horror and mixes them all together. Um, it's got a very uh, great soundtrack, very 80s synth some pop uh, kind of vibe a lot of gore uh, some great kill scenes one in particular with one of the teenagers in the SUV uh, the, sta- uh, the stabbing scene is just off the hook like I'm like holy fuck that's brutal as fuck um, basically what the story is about also has um, let me get to the it has a guy named Jesse Williams who plays Todd he's a comic book uh, creator called Slasherman. Uh, that's the name of his comics. And Jay plays his uh, business partner, Ezra. Uh, they also have their assistant, Aurora. And, of course, Jesse's girlfriend, um, who is portrayed by uh, Jordana Brewster, who is fucking amazing in this, by the way. I mean, I love her in just about anything she does, going back to the faculty, uh, Fast and Furious franchise. I mean, she's always done very well she was on the series chuck which is i know neko and i's uh favorite series for a while in the 90s or in the 2000s excuse me but this is sort of a different role for her too outside of the faculty faculty was was horror but it was more like tongue-in-cheek fun this is not fun (laughs) on any level it's very fucking dark um it's crazy uh it's sort of predictable in some ways, but even when you're expecting stuff to happen, like, it, the way it happens, you're just like, holy fuck. Uh, there's one particular scene with the teenagers in the SUV that is fucking crazy. I mean, you kind of seen something similar in other movies, but just the way that they shot it in this movie is fantastic. It, uh, special effects are amazing, obviously. Um... But basically, this comic book creator and his girlfriend and the the uh, 
his partner and also the uh, assistant all go on a road trip. They're doing a tour for what would be Slasherman's last release, last comic book that he's going to be doing. And they end up basically what's happening. It's all based off a real serial killer called the I, I-90 killer or something like that. And it's been going on for years. And what happens is as you're doing this road trip, uh, the killer gets wind that this is happening, that, uh, you know, he's starting to make the last fucking comic. And so he starts killing again because he kind of taken a break for a while. And then it starts hitting close to home. He's calling Jesse's character, Todd, on the phone while he's at a, a radio interview. Uh, he does it, you know, they end up coming after his, his friends and his partner and all that. I'm not going to give too much away, but basically the killer is just like losing his shit. Now, uh, reading off of Robert Ebert's, Roger Ebert's uh, review, which he blasted it, of course. Uh, but some of the things that Roger points to, I think, initially initially when I'm watching this film I understand what Roger's getting at but then like the ending it actually all makes up for it. it all it all pays off it all explains everything that Roger had a problem with and that's the thing like I don't think Roger really understood that part of it when doing his review uh, if the ending had not handed if the ending had not been the way it was the movie probably would have been a really lot lower score for me. I gave it a 9 out of 10. Mainly because the ending explains everything. And even though you can kind of understand or figure it out what happens, like along the way you kind of understand or start to figure out why things are happening the way they are, uh, it isn't until the end that you actually discover that, hey, yeah, that's right, okay. So, it all it all brings everything around to a close, but uh, the movie is still dark as fuck. I mean, there is, again, much like Human Lanterns, there's no comedy to alleviate the shit that's going on. The, the biggest problem this movie faces, obviously, is just the fleshing out of the characters. Um, in some ways you don't really feel bad for any of them in any kind of way because in that sort of the 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 Jesse Williams, the actor who plays the lead, like I think I've only seen him in one other thing, but like despite his facial expressions, he's not really the most convincing actor and I think that role was actually kinda of hurt by him. I mean I don't want to bash anybody unnecessarily, but unlike the other roles with Jay, uh Jordana and I forget who the uh Neam Neam Wilson I guess is the one who plays the assistant they all have some interesting characters and they play them really well the, the lead we're obviously we're supposed to feel a different vibe when it comes to Todd the character but I just I'm not sure if it's really conveyed the way it should be for his character and I, I don't know I just there's some lack something lacking there with that but it, overall, the movie is shot very well, and 
it's got like again dreamy sequences that are really uh, interesting and psychedelic on some uh, level the visuals uh, the gore these are things that you probably would seen before obviously uh, in other horror movies but again what Jay does with this he takes all those elements and brings them together and it works and, and it works well so I'm not going to sit here and say it's something I probably wouldn't go out and buy because I don't know if I love it that much even though I've given it a high score I think it's great for at least a one time viewing um, I've seen far worse obviously <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah I would check it out it's called Random Acts of Violence it's on Shudder and um, you may be able to find it on other uh, like Prime and all that. It's not on Prime, but uh, maybe if you paid for it or something, I don't know. But decent movie. Check it out. Um, it's like I said, it's a script by Jay and a guy named Jesse Chabot, and it's based off a real comic uh, by Justin Gray and Jimmy Palamati. So uh, clearly, it's something that was done before. I don't know if it anything about the comic itself but check it out worth your time and we're gonna bust back into some music here uh really excited about this block uh band called full ammunition i'm gonna kick off with some messiah but there's black crown initiate new shit from them going out to neko because i know she's a big fan of the band so we got some of that in a row here's messiah extreme cold weather
This is Elbow with the Bandy Thorn. You're listening to the Hordes of Chaos only on Metal Tavern Radio. Pump it.
Cataclysm, DJ Nubis, Metal Time Radio, Forge of Chaos, episode 78, coming to a close, closing out that block with Cataclysm, Crippled and Broken, great band, fucking, I have yet to see them live, I need to, before I die, um, special thanks to 
Krypton Sky, Metal Mania, Sky Nielsen Promotions, all the labels that I work with that send me new music for you to play. I only had a couple this time around. I do have a lot of shit that I still have to get to. I have to go through them a little bit. Uh, I do apologize sometimes when these labels and promotional sites send me stuff. Not everything that you send me do I think I can play on here. Not Some of it's because it doesn't sound the way it should. Uh, they might be a little bit too poppy or I just don't think that they're interesting enough to play. And that's, I know that's kind of a, a bad way to look at things as I try to push as much stuff out to you guys as I can. Uh, which I do, but I'd say 90% of what gets sent to me gets played in some form or fashion. Um, however, I do have to skip over things sometimes just because, like, like, if I don't think that people are going to find it interesting enough, to, I just don't want to play it. And that's unfortunate, but there's just, you have to understand, there's so much shit that I have to go through every week in terms of, like, listening to new stuff outside of what these promotional sites send me, so... Not everything gets played, uh, but I try my best. And this week there was only a couple, but that's because I had a lot of newer stuff that I had to play uh, that I was listening to outside of that. But uh, next week will probably be a little bit more stuff for you from the promotional sites. But I do appreciate the relationship that we have together, uh, getting the word out on some of these bands. Uh, it's much appreciated. Hope you all enjoyed this episode. Uh, Check out those movies I talked about. Have fun with them. Got one track left for you. Witch Vomit, Doomed in the Realm of the Dead. And I will see you all later.